Hi, this is Sandy Shore from SmoothJazz.com Global, and you're listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with your host, Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 199 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Hala Taha. This woman is a human dynamo. She's the host of the Young and Profiting podcast, and she's known as the Podcast Princess. Her podcast is the number one educational podcast in the world. She's also the founder and CEO of Yap Media, an incredibly successful social media and podcast marketing agency. But her trip up the ladder of success has been anything but a straight line. As I like to say, she has failed upwards several times in radio, blogging, influencing, and corporate America until she finally reached the top. And we're going to talk about all of this. And as you know, in every episode, I like to feature a song of mine underneath the introduction and at the end. And I always try to make the song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, I've chosen my song called Flat Busted from our Spring Dance album by my band Project Grand Slam. And I chose this song because Hala's journey went all the way from when she was close to flat busted to the heights of her current success. So Hala Taha, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, what an introduction. I'm super excited for the show. It sounds like it's going to be a great time. Well, you know, you're the podcast princess, so you know how to do this better than anybody. Tell me, what is it like for you to be kind of at the top of the ladder? And then we're going to go back and look at your journey there. Oh, what a great way to start. You know, sometimes I have to pinch myself because I feel like I'm literally, you know, living my dream career. It's incredible that I can make a living off reading, you know, one minute commercials and I'll, you know, spend an hour recording and be like, wow, I just made, you know, X amount of money. I remember when I first started, I wasn't making any money for the first couple of years. And it's just incredible to have all these listeners, to have all this influence, to be able to monetize my show the, the way I have. And I'm just really proud of myself for leveraging what I built on social on my podcast to then turn it into an agency and a podcast network and help other people grow and monetize their personal brands and podcasts. Everybody, do you see why I wanted to have this lady on the show? Because she's one of the few podcasts that is actually making money doing this. <laughs> and she's very, very successful. I'm going to learn a lot from her, I promise. Okay, so let's start back. Because you started out kind of at the bottom of the ladder. I, you know, I, I took a look at your background. You were a radio production assistant, right? Yes. So start with that and let's kind of build up and see how it all came about. 
Yeah. So when I was 19 years old, I got an internship at Hot 97, which at the time was the world's number one hip hop and R&B station. It still is. And I basically had this college internship. I was a junior in college. Then they promoted me to be Angie Martinez's intern, who was the voice of New York on the top show in America, period. It was the top morning show, top show in America, period. And I essentially became her assistant and associate producer. I was 19 years old, I ended up dropping out of college because they wanted me to work there every day. And every day they'd be like, Holly, can you stay? Holly, can you come tomorrow? And I would skip class. And then eventually I was like, okay, I need to just drop out of school because this is becoming my job. But all the while I was actually an unpaid intern because in radio you have to pay your dues. And often the on-air personalities that you hear, they may have worked for free at the station for five to seven years and then got their first gig as like an overnight online personality DJ at the radio station. So you kind of have to do that. You got to do that in a lot of places. I have to yeah. say, you know, the, the free intern thing is everywhere. Did it you is. Want to be in radio. Was that your goal at that moment or you just fell into that job? Well, I always wanted to be a singer. I always knew that I was going to use my voice to impact the world. So I actually applied to be an intern at Hot 97 to push the music I was writing and singing. But when I got to Hot 97, I fell in love with radio and I was really good at it. I was really good at research. From the start, they had me reading commercials on air. I was always brought on to speak on air. I started my own online radio shows on the side, which is the precursor of podcasts. So ever since I was 19 years old, I was basically doing podcasts, but the, that version of podcasts at the time was online radio shows. And so I fell in love with it and then quickly realized that I had much a much more likelihood of being successful in radio and broadcasting than I did, you know, competing with Beyonce or something. So I went that route. Did you get any of your songs on the on the show? No, none of my songs ever got played on the radio because I quickly switched gears. It was like within four months, I was like, you know, forget being a singer. I just want to go all in on radio. Yeah. All right. You went from being a singer to being a radio person. Okay, I got it. So keep going here. Okay. So then I ended up leaving Hot 97 because all of my siblings were in med school and my parents are very traditional immigrants. And so I was getting so much pressure because I dropped out of school, A, and B, because I was interning for free. And so they were kind of just like, Holly, get your life together. What are you doing? Like, you should be studying. You should go back to school. And so I was getting a ton of pressure. So I asked Hot 97 to pay me and I sort of made a stink about it. And I think they got scared. They ended up firing me. I don't know if you can fire someone that you're not paying, but they ended up cutting my key cards and saying, Holla, don't come back. And I ended up getting fired. So I was devastated. Wait a minute. At that point, you go back to your parents, you tell them, not only am I the failure in the family because I'm not getting paid, <laughs> but now I got fired on top of it all, huh? Yes, that but they were happy. Conversation. Yeah, I mean, they were happy. They're like, great. Now you can go back to school, which is exactly oh, what happy. I did. Oh, I okay, <laughs> so they're great. like, great. Now you can go back to school and start being a stop being a party girl. So I ended up going back to school at the same time, though, I got fired on a Thursday. By Sunday, I had a new idea and I decided I was going to launch something called the Sorority of Hip Hop Strawberryblunt.com. I was going to recruit other girls in the entertainment industry from places like VH1, Def Jam, iHeart. 
and team up together and start a blog. I had learned how to blog at Hot 97. I used to blog for the other DJs, right? So I decided I was going to start this website and I started building this website on a Sunday. Two weeks later, I had recruited 14 girls off Craigslist and Twitter to join me to be a part of the sorority of hip hop. I was the president and we had our first meeting at my college campus in a big boardroom and I launched this, this blog. By three months, we were one of the most popular hip hop and entertainment websites in the world. MTV was scouting us. I was going viral on Twitter because I figured out how to hack Twitter, essentially. I was the first blog to at mention celebrities in our blog posts automatically. So I had all these girls hook up to this platform that basically every time we put out a blog post, it would tweet something out on Twitter. And I had, you know... At, at the height of it, I had 100 girls in this organization. Everyone was synced up to this platform. And, and whenever we put out a blog, it'd be like 100 pretty girls tweeting out Drake or, you know, Diddy or whatever it was, and they would retweet us. And so we kept going viral. And so people wanted to, us to have TV shows. We started hosting the hottest parties in New York. The same DJs that I was getting coffee for and feeding the meter for started paying me to host all the parties with them because I had a big traction on Twitter and then basically had like a promotion machine. And so I started this blog events company and it got really big. And, and so I did that for three years. All right, hold on. I'm trying yeah. to figure out why <laughs> did you ever give this up? Because it sounds like, you know, you went to the top of the pyramid with this thing. Okay. You got all these women with you and you're, you've hit the top with the, the what was it called? The sorority again? The sorority of hip hop. I love the name. Okay. I can't, you know, you're, you're moving like at a thousand miles an hour here and I'm trying to like hold the, the reins back on the horse. Yes, okay. Yes. But does anybody ever tell you that, that you got to slow down a little bit? You know? <laughs> I'm so used to telling my story. Yeah. And I can tell that you want to ask me a million questions. So feel free to pause me at any time, but. It's all right. Keep going. I like this. You're, I mean, you're going fast. I like this. Yeah. So really to answer your question as why didn't I keep doing this? It's because I didn't figure out how to monetize the blog effectively, right? I was a young girl. We were basically famous in New York and New Jersey and we would make money hosting parties, but there were so many mouths to feed. Plus the cost of running a very popular website is expensive. I had to have multiple servers and like all this stuff. And I was just figuring this out. I was 20, like, four years old, you know, I, I was just a baby. And so I was just trying to figure it out. And like, it, we weren't making enough money for me for everybody to live off of it, you know, and so MTV scouted us. And for, finally, I thought, all right, I worked at free for, at hot 97 for three years, I've done this entertainment news site. Now it's been two years, MTV wants to have me and be the star of a show. This was right after Jersey Shore had ended. I was literally going to be like the next Snooki. And MTV filmed us all summer. They got us a studio on Broadway. And they filmed us like in restaurants, walking on the street at my parents' house. And it was like a reality TV show that everybody was really bullish on. And they invested a ton of money into us. And I got my hair and makeup done every day. And I thought I was going to be famous. And I finally thought, okay, we made it. Because me and like six other top girls were going to get a consistent paycheck doing the show. And we had signed all these contracts. And I thought I was going to be rich and famous. And I had finally made it. And two weeks before the show was supposed to air, I get a call from the production director, Tiffany Williams. And she basically said, sorry, Hala, we're moving in another direction. We're not airing the show. I'm really sorry this happened. 
there's nothing you, like we can do. What does it mean that they're moving in another direction? I have no idea. They chose the, maybe the, they, they never just, told you. They never told me why. I never got to see the footage. It was just that's it. They just said, sorry, we're moving in another, another direction. And I again, it was another one of those like slap in the face moments. And I was this time I was like devastated. All right. What did you say to your parents then? I was hysterical. I just remember being hysterical, but there, the answer to them was always, all right, go back to school, right? So I did, I went and got my MBA. I shut everything all down. All right, hold on, hold on, stop, stop, stop. You went from all of this stuff, the influencer stuff, the sorority stuff, the radio stuff, and all of a sudden you decided to get an MBA. Is that yes. what happened? Okay. Exactly. Did that make your parents happy? It did, because I got a 4.0 and I actually did really good in school this time. Last, the first time around, I think I graduated with a 2.3 GPA. <laughs> so they were way happier this time around. And so I essentially gave up. I, I said, forget entertainment. I'm never going to make it. I got, I, I should have listened to my parents. Like, yeah, it was fun. I'm getting old and I can't be the, you know, president of the sorority of hip hop, you know, in my thirties, I better quit while I'm ahead and just decided I was just going to shut it down. And I had all these girls. So some of these girls are still mad at me for shutting it down, you know, and still contact me. Like, how could you have done this? Like, you know, you ruined our sorority and all this stuff. But I'm like, I can't, it, it wasn't paying the bills. And by the way, it was a lot of pressure for me, for everybody's, it was all the weight on my shoulders. You know, I was the mastermind behind everything. And it just was too much pressure. To, and I just thought, you know, if I can't be successful myself, how am I going to make 50 other girls successful? Right. And so I just decided to, you know, cut my losses and start off fresh and go into corporate. And so I got my you know, MBA, I got a 4.0, I graduated number one in class. And the reason why I did that is because I knew I wasn't going to get a job unless I like could show like, hey, like I just was not taking undergrad seriously. And I am smart. And here's me sh proving that I am because my resume looked crazy at the time. I mean, I, I was an intern at Hot 97 and the president of the sorority of hip hop. <laughs> That's an unusual resume. I will give you that. It is. Did you do the, the MBA thing full time or were you doing it at night and doing something else? Great question. It was actually an executive MBA that I did on the weekend. And at the same time, I got an internship at Hewlett Packard. So I actually got my highest paying job as an intern at Hewlett Packard at the time I was making 70k a year which to me back then was like wow like you know corporate's not so bad you know and so I loved that steady paycheck and I really embraced the opportunity so I, I got my MBA and at the same time I was working at Hewlett Packard you know 30 hours a week what were you doing for them I was basically doing social media for them at first and then I ended up getting promoted and I worked there for four years and I got promoted. I had every single job you can think of in the marketing department. By the end of it, I was running a team of like 30 people and I was essentially the face of the young employees at Hewlett Packard. So I thought I was going to get there, you know, being 27 years old or whatever I was so late to the game. This is my first corporate job, 27 years old. Most people get their first corporate job when they're 22, right? And so I was like, oh man, like this is going to be so hard. And I was different. Like I dressed different. I talked different. Right. But I was so much more tech savvy than everyone else. And that made me accelerate my career so quickly. And I found myself jumping over people my age at HP because I was so outgoing. I was like an entrepreneur within the organization. I was taking what's called opportunity set B 
within my job. So there's opportunity set A, which is everything you're supposed to do. And there's opportunity set B, which is the things that you want to do to increase your skills and kind of get ahead. And so I was president of the Young Employee Network and running all their company picnics and interviewing the CEO and just kind of being a little entrepreneur, like I was saying, within the organization. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller. My new single, All of the Time, is a playful, whimsical love song. It's light and airy and exudes the happiness and joy of being in love. The reviewers love it too. Melody Maker has given it five stars and calls it pure bliss, an intimate sound with abundant melodic riches. Pop Icon also gave it five stars and called it ecstasy. You can stream all of the time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or any of the other streaming platforms. The links are in the show notes to this episode, and you can download it from the pgsstore.com. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a nice review too, if you're so inclined. You can do all of that and check out all of our episodes by visiting our website, at followyourdreampodcast.com. I want to thank you for listening and keep on rocking. You ever have any downtime? <laughs> Lately. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, you're running at a thousand miles an hour with all these things. And I know you're accelerating the discussion because we're talking about it here. But I mean, you are some go-getter. And I'm just, what, do you have hobbies? Do you have things that are not part of the, the big picture for you? I do have hobbies. I mean, I'm really career focused. I would say for the past five years, especially, I was just nose down building this career. I mean, you don't become the podcast princess and essentially start to dominate an industry by, you know, not working extremely hard and being very focused. And so I was very focused the last four or five years. But lately, I've been trying to, you know, look at other parts of life that are priorities like relationships and just, you know, having fun and traveling and all those kinds of things. But I, I did feel like I needed to sacrifice temporarily and I don't regret it. Okay. Okay. All right. So keep going. We're, we're still climbing the ladder here. Okay, so we're at Hewlett Packard. So like I alluded to, I crushed it at Hewlett Packard. I <laughs> just got promoted left and right. I was uh, the face of the young employees. They were going to rename the company Hewlett Packard Taha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I literally thought I, I for a period of time, I was like, oh, I'll just stay here until I become the CMO. You know, I literally thought that. And um I remember I was, so I was president of this thing called the Young Employee Network. And then I became uh, the recruitment chair on the global Young Employee Network. So for those who don't know, especially this was, let's say six years ago or, or something like that. Six years ago, Hewlett Packard was 300,000 people. It was a huge company. It's, it's since then divided into two different companies. But when I worked there, 300,000 people. And the young employees were all around the world and there was like 10,000 of them. So it was like a big deal to be like the spokesperson of everybody, all the young employees at Hewlett Packard. And sometimes I would find myself emailing the whole company like I was the CEO like all the time as like the, the president of this young employee network. So anyway, I ended up applying 
to be the president of the Global Young Employee Network. It was like the last rung on the ladder of this like organization that I was a part of internally at the company, right? All right, don't tell me they fired you too. Yes. So, so, so after being the president for two years at my office and literally starting their company picnic, starting their holiday party, like literally starting it from nothing in New York, and then starting something called HPE Spirit Week all around the world, which is essentially a week long event that they still do to this day, where like 500 offices around the world participate in the same event all week long. And I created it and it was like a big success. After doing all that, I had earned by every, like every person was like vouching for me, everybody on the board, I had earned that spot. The HR director gave it to somebody who literally had no experience within the organization, who was like local at their, at their site. Welcome to corporate America. huh? Yeah. And that person quit a month later and you know what? So did I. So at that same time, I was like, checked out. I was like, wow, like I literally did this as a side hustle. And they slapped me in the face. They didn't even put me on the board. So I was pissed. I wasn't young and profiting. I was young and pissed at the time. And I decided, hey, forget it. I'm just going to start my own thing. I've worked corporate for years. I want to go back to broadcasting. I feel like I have done all that I can at HP. And in terms of like my like ability to rise up the ranks and they just slapped me in the face after I worked for free for them essentially for three years doing this whole internal culture building that I was doing. And I'm just gonna start my own podcast. Why should I invest in them? I want to invest in myself. All right. But at that time, podcasts were, you know, they were established, but it, it wasn't what it is now. No. And probably, you know, there were a lot of people that weren't making any money doing podcasting. So you took a leap with this, didn't you? I did. I, I didn't do it for money. I, I never, I actually didn't think it was possible to make money with podcasts because I had been in the radio world for many years before that and made no money. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a hobby, an outlet because I'm in the corporate world. I went to Disney. So at the same time, I got a job at Disney streaming services and moved there and I built this podcast. So you built the podcast while you were at Disney. Is that what you're saying? I started it at Hewlett Packard for like six months and then I moved to Disney. Okay. But in, in the meantime, you were doing the podcast creation, if you will, on the side. Exactly. And by the time I landed a job at Disney, I already had a number one how-to podcast. So the pod, they actually recruited me because of the podcast because it was streaming services and not nobody had TV streaming experience because it was a new thing. So podcast was a, a relevant transferable kind of skill. And so that's why Disney streaming recruited me is because I had a podcast. So I ended up going to Disney streaming, built this podcast on the side, my podcast just slowly just kept blowing up and blowing up. Disney was very supportive from the start because they knew about it from the start. And they would allow me to interview celebrities during my lunch hour. And I and I was just had this executive corporate job. And at the same time had a podcast. Okay. And for them, they just, they didn't even care about it, I guess, on this, that you were doing this on the side because they didn't think this was going to amount to anything probably. Yeah. So it's a funny story because I started my LinkedIn journey at the same time as my podcast. So now I'm one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn, right? And so Disney didn't care about my podcast until I became more popular than their CEO was <laughs> on LinkedIn. <laughs> so then they started, they came around and they, they wanted to own my podcast. 
And I was like, you don't own my podcast. I reported this when I first got this job. And then they like backed off. But like there was a, a one point in time where Disney tried to say they owned my podcast. And obviously they so didn't. So you were more popular than Bob Iger. Is that what you're saying? It, it was uh, the other president of Disney streaming services. But yeah, even Bob I Iger, see. I feel like I'm more popular than him most likely. You probably are. He's not there any longer. <laughs> All right. You know, I feel like I have to like exhale here because your story <laughs> is like unbelievable. Okay, so you started the podcast, you made the podcast a success, but that wasn't enough for you. You had to go into this young and pro the, the Yap Media thing. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I had this big podcast while I was working at Disney. But still, I wasn't really monetizing like that. That all happened like at once, right? So COVID hit. And that was a crazy time for me because my family was one of the first families impacted by COVID. And so it was March of 2020 and I get a phone call from my sister and she's like, Hala, mom, dad, and your brother, your aunt, and your uncle all have COVID. This is right when everything first happened. Wow. And she's like, are you going to come home with me and help or not? You have 20 minutes. Let me know. And I'm like, okay. And so I literally packed my bag in 20 minutes. My sister picked me up and we went and took care of my parents who had COVID. And my father ended up going to the hospital and sadly he ended up passing away. But what, oh, no. what happened from was, COVID you mean from COVID? Yeah, Eesh. I know. So I was home and, you know, previously I was living with my boyfriend. I ended up being home for three months because of this, because it's like I got COVID, you know, at the time people were really scared of people who got COVID. Oh, so sure. it wasn't like, it wasn't like this, like now where like you get COVID and as soon as you're negative, you're like out and about back then it was like, no, you, like, you know what I mean? You were like dangerous to everyone. Right. And so yeah, yeah. I literally was isolated for three months at home. Didn't see my boyfriend. All I had was like, my dad was in the hospital. I was working from home at Disney. Everybody was working from home and I basically had all this new time. I had no social life. I had no commute. And at the same time, there was this lady, Heather Monahan, and she's a huge influencer on LinkedIn. She's one of my mentors now, my first client. And she basically was hounding me because she came on my podcast. And as a lot of guests did at the end of the show, they'd say to me, Hala, how'd you do this? How'd you grow your LinkedIn so big? How do you have such a big podcast? And you're working a corporate job? Like, could you do this for me? And I'd always be like, no, I can't do it for you. I had a volunteer team. So this is something we didn't talk about. Um, I'll back up a little bit because I didn't mention it. So I've had a volunteer team helping me with Young and Profiting since the beginning. So by episode two, I had my first intern slash volunteer, who's now my business partner. By episode eight, I had 10 interns or volunteers in a Slack channel helping me. And I, because I just knew so much. And so these super fans would reach out to me on LinkedIn and be like, I'm obsessed with your show. I want to help get the message out there. Can, can I help you? I'll build your website or I want to help you do videos. Can I help you with videos? And so I had like one guy from Estonia building my website. I had a guy from Atlanta helping me from vid doing videos. I had somebody in California helping me with guest outreach. And so I started building this like little company without realizing it was a company. Right. And so Heather Monahan was like hounding me. And she was like, Hala, I want you to do my videos. Like your videos are crazy incredible. Can you do my videos for me? 
And I was like, I can't do them for you because I have a, I have a, a job. I just have a small volunteer team and you know, I'll help you on the weekends. And so I would schedule calls with her over the, on the weekends and try to teach her how to make videos until one day she was like, Hala, I can't do this by myself. You have to do this for me. I'm going to be your first client. You can't say no. She's like, I just had a call with Gary V and VaynerMedia and your stuff is better than them. Like, I want to be your first client. Like you can do this. And so Heather became my first client and you know, we did for very cheap. I think she paid me $500 a month and we started doing her videos. Then we started taking over everything for her. My second client was a billionaire who paid us $30,000 a month and everything changed. Then I started paying everyone. Then I started recruiting more people. I built out a team in the Philippines and in India. Now I have 20 employees in the US and I just, that just was basically my seed investor was my second client. And then I just got Kara Golden, the CEO of Hintwater, another big retainer. I got Brit Marine of Brit & Co. And 1-800 got Junk CEO and just one after the another. And then I found myself six months into starting this business, still at Disney with 30 employees and making way more money than I was at my corporate job. And then I, I, I ended up quitting and becoming a full-time entrepreneur. All right. I only have one question. When are you running for president, huh? <laughs> I mean, that's about the only thing you haven't done. So I'm waiting for you to tell me. I do want to get into politics one day, but I don't think president. I think I, I think I've screwed that up already. I don't know about that. You've got one heck of a resume. I mean, you've zigzagged all over the place, but each time you've zigged or zagged, you've gone up. Okay. And now you've really hit the top and you're still young. And that's an amazing story. Thank you. I don't know how you do it. Do you ever sleep? I didn't for a while. I used to, I was saying like for four years, I feel like I ran on four or five hours of sleep, especially honestly, the hardest time I worked was running my podcast, my company and working Disney. I freaking was an animal at that time. Um, once I quit my corporate job, it got a little bit more focused, but it was just accelerating like crazy. Like I got on the cover of podcast magazine and like just started monetizing my podcast and getting sponsors. And I had no time either as my, what my first basically year of entrepreneurship, but now it's kind of settling down and I feel like I have a life again. All right. Good for you. So where's it going to go in the future? What are you thinking of next? So I started a podcast network. So I figured out how to monetize my show and grow it. I'm one of the foremost experts in terms of media buying and podcasts and monetizing podcasts. And so I started a podcast network. I have about 20 shows and we just got signed to Cumulus Podcast Network, which is owned by Westwood One. It's a huge, it's like Ben Shapiro's network. And um, so I'm really focused on growing my podcast network and my agency. This has been some experience to hear all of this. I want to congratulate you for all the success. I mean, uh, it's been quite remarkable. But like I said a moment ago, you, you kept failing upwards, okay, which is really something that's very hard to do. And uh, you've got a great podcast. You've got a great agency. You're, you're moving. You keep smiling. I wish everybody could see your face because she smiles at, during the entire discussion, which I like when people do that. <laughs> So it's been a fantastic uh, experience to interview you. We've been talking with Hala Taha, who is the top of the game in podcasting with Young and Profiting. And then she's got Yap Media. She's going to run for president one day. You heard it here first. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's really been fun. 
Thank you so much, Robert. I have to say you're a really fun host and my energy just matched yours. So thank you so much. No, no, no. You you way exceeded my energy. I'm in <laughs> awe of you. Anyway, we're going to listen now to the song that started out the uh, podcast here. It's my song called Flat Busted. I want to thank you all for listening and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.